Hooray! Yeah, we love that movie. So, uh, yeah, I know it's June, but uh, that's the Christmas that we wish we had with all the snow. Uh, But yeah, so we've been talking about a series called Equipped, that God has a plan for your life. It's probably different than the plan that you have, even your five-year plan. It might have some, uh, some curves in there you weren't expecting. But God's got a good plan for your life. It's better than the plan you ever could have had, and that God equips you for that plan. That he actually even outlines in the Bible the things that we need to succeed for that plan. And one of the things we're talking about today is that God equips us with strength for that plan. Okay, And you see in that little story in that moment, right, that, that once the Grinch's heart is taken hold of, once we experience the true meaning of Christmas, that is Jesus in our hearts, that God then gives us the strength, not necessarily of ten Grinches plus two, but he gives us the strength to accomplish the thing that he's called us to do, right? So there's my little analogy. We're all happy. Hooray, Christmas. So, um, so there we go. Uh, so we're talking about being equipped by God's strength, but we're going to start before we even consider the strength that he equips us for the good that he's called us to do. I want to point out that God has also given all of humanity just general grace, general empowerment, general time and resources and talents and gifts and a location in which you live, uh, uh, relationships that you uh, interact with, that that he's given us physical human strength to accomplish certain things. And he's, he's desired that you use that gift of time, that you use even the very body that he's lent you for the sake of, of his glory and for the joy of all people. That's what his desire is, but I might remind you of the story with the Grinch earlier, uh, that he used his strength, uh, his physical initial strength, to kind of like bring oppression upon a people that he didn't like. And that's not what God would want you to do with the strength that he's given you. So just because, yes, it's Father's Day, and in general, statistically, men are stronger than women, it is not for you to... Uh, exercise your right over other people to take advantage of those that might be weaker than you, you should use your strength in service towards other people. That the strength that God gives you is in service towards others, not in the building of your own kingdom. So so here we go. Let's talk about human strength, uh, which I'm not here to, to show off. I was not in the Tough Mudder yesterday. Uh, this is not one of the gifts that God has given me. But here we go. In one of the only good things that the Bible says about young men, it says this in Proverbs 20, 29, it says, the glory of young men is their strength, but the splendor of old men is their gray hair. Yeah, so there we go. (laughs) So I'm not either strong nor terribly gray yet. uh, So I'm somewhere in between there. But, uh, But my point is, that yes, we have a a strength that we live this life out with that's meant to be used for good, that we often use for our own selfishness and the building of our own kingdom. And yes, young men, there is still hope for you that you can flee youthful lusts, that you can pursue God and remember your creator even in the days of your youth. You don't just have to go squander your life and energy for selfish reasons, but you can actually accomplish great things for the Lord in this time of your life. So, so just because this is kind of the only good thing that the Bible has to say about you doesn't mean that you're excluded from being used for God's good and his glory. So here we go. So, here, uh, so we see this idea that, that mankind does have strength. Right? And if you're a woman, you have strength. Right? All of us have a degree of strength that he's given us, uh, which is probably less than we would like. We'd want to be able to accomplish more. We wish that we had more ability to do things. But in the Bible, God is not impressed with the strength of men. God is not like somehow like, wow, like, 
wow, look at that. You know, he, he's not impressed that you can win an arm wrestling competition. He's not impressed that you could run up and down Mount Snow. He's not, like, set back at that, like, wow, I did not take into account the amount of energy that I gave this person, that they're stronger than I anticipated. No, God is not impressed. It says this in Psalms 147, which, by the way, I'm going to be all over the place today, all over throughout the Bible, so just follow along. I'll have it on the screen. Uh, if you want a Bible, Joshua's going to grab one for you. You can take it home, but uh, I apologize for the scatter shot that you're going to get. So it says this, Psalm 147.10, His pleasure, that is God, is not in the strength of the horse, nor is delight in the legs of the warrior. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Okay, so I think it's kind of like a weird idea of God, you know, even mentioning the fact that he doesn't delight in the legs of a warrior. I don't think it's talking about attraction or not attraction, but in other translations it says this, that he takes no pleasure in the strength of a horse or in human might. Or in another, it says that he is not impressed by the warrior's strong legs. And the last time I leg-pressed something in high school, probably over a decade ago, uh, I remember that I could leg-press more than I could bench-press, which was also something I did probably 15 years ago. So, um, yeah, that's one of the things I realized. Like, our leg muscles are stronger, and even with all of our strength that's in our legs, God's like, I'm not impressed. Like, that's not even that great. That's not that much. Uh, That God is far more capable than we are in terms of accomplishing things, and that he is strong. That God is strong, and we are in comparison not. And so oftentimes we might use our own energy and our own talents and our own abilities to pursue things that are against his will, but it's not like we can like really get far from God. He's not impressed like, okay, there you go. Like you didn't really accomplish that much by resisting his, his perfect will for our lives. And one of the things that the Bible teaches is that we should not trust in man's strength. We should not trust in our own strength. And there's, in fact, this season during uh, the nation of Israel. Uh, Actually, we're going to cover all sorts of scattershot about Israel's history today, so hold on. But there's this time in Israel's life where, like, the entire nation is resisting God, rejecting his plan for them, and God actually is going to allow this nation to overtake them and bring them into exile. And, And Israel's like, well, we've rejected God. We'll just trust in the strength of Egypt. We'll put our hope in this other nation of people to protect us from the army that we have been warned is going to come and capture our city. And this is what Isaiah prophesies in Isaiah 31. He says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses who trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or consult the Lord. And so God's saying here, listen, how are you going to resist my plan for your life, trusting in the strength of men? You're not going to be able to accomplish something on your own, right? Like even within that, it's a small realm of possibility that you can achieve anything and you're not getting anywhere at all. And and I think this is interesting that elsewhere in the Bible, it says that God considers the nations but a drop in the bucket when when it comes to weighing the nations. That never mind that God's not impressed with the strength of one man's legs. He's not impressed with a nation, an entire army of manpower that's being placed to protect Israel that was going to be against God's will in this this case, right? That God's not impressed with an entire nation. I I think it's a proverb that says that, that even though the wicked join hand in hand, that they can't, like, defy 
God's will against them, right? It doesn't matter how many of us rally together, how much all of us put our strength towards something that's opposing God. It's not going to accomplish anything. So we should not trust in our own strength. We should not just trust in the strength of men. And and similarly, I'd want to point out that that as far as God's plan for our lives, if, if I think that God's plan is only that which I am physically able to accomplish in my own ability, that is not God's plan. That is not God's plan. That God is not limited to use me in ways that I'm only able to accomplish in my own strength. That God has a plan for each of us that is beyond the strength of our own physical bodies, that is beyond the frailty of the life that we all have and possess. That God's plan is bigger than what you could accomplish on your own. So if, if, if I want to just kind of like, you know, take simple, small step and just move the scale and, and make it a simpler life for myself, I'm not accomplishing God's best plan for my life when I limit his plan according to my own ability or resources. I'll build some justification for that in a little bit. So if, if you're planning according to your strength, you're not actually following God's plan. And similarly... If I'm intentionally, uh, say, sabotaging my life in such a way, trying to force God to use his strength in my life, that's also not God's plan. That's like testing the Lord, and that's something that, you know, like Satan tempted Jesus with. He's like, hey, throw yourself off of this rooftop, and God's angels will rescue you. And that's not something that we should do. So I, uh, whether financially I shouldn't throw myself into bankruptcy and be like, well, God's going to rescue me. Like, that's not God's plan for your life. Okay, so don't commit some sort of, you know, financial or whatever type of suicide for your life. God's plan is not that, okay? So that's not what he wants you to do. But God's plan does not rely on our physical strength only. He's given us abilities in our bodies, but he's not intended on us to use them for our own purpose. And his purpose is beyond that which we can accomplish. Here we go. Some more Bible coming at you. Just, just hang on. It's good. It's good. I love the Bible. Uh, Zechariah 4.6 <coughs> says this. Then he said to me, this is one of the minor prophets, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel? I don't know. Something. You, you got it. Uh, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. That the way that God accomplishes things on this earth is not through our own effort and energy and talent, but God accomplishes things by empowering people through his spirit. Okay, so God does not uh, seek out the strong in order to accomplish what he wants to do. He seeks out those who hope in the Lord, as one of the earlier verses I mentioned said, and then he empowers them to accomplish what he's called them to do. So it's not a matter of like, okay, let's find the most talented people we can and, and just see if they can accomplish something for God. No, no, no. It's a matter of who has the most willing heart, who is willing to yield to God's spirit and be led by the spirit into all truth, and to accomplish what the Spirit leads us to do. And so in terms of even, even the, the, the battles that we face as people, God empowers us with, with abilities and power that is not physical. It's not just in our own ability. It's not in our own human strength. In, in this sense, Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 10. He says, For though we walk in the flesh... All right, we're living this life in these bodies, these temporary dwellings, these tents that we have for the moment that are fleeting. Our life is but a vapor. Though we live our lives like this, he says this, we are not waging war according to the flesh. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. 
And now at the time period Paul was living, it's not like uh, Old Testament Israel where they were literally fighting battles to, to defend the territory that God had given them or to stand up for what was right. He's not talking about some sort of crusade-type war that he's sending all Christians on. That is not it at all. The, the battles that we're fighting are spiritual battles. They are not flesh battles. They're not physical battles that we're seeing. And the weapons we have are also not physical weapons. Okay, the, 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 the strongholds he's talking about, he says later on, are every thought that would dare exalt itself above the throne of Christ Jesus. So the fight that he's talking about is the fight that each of us have in ourselves, the battle between our flesh and our spirit, and whether we're going to yield to our own desires that deceive ourselves or whether we're going to fight that and tear down those strongholds and expose our hearts to the truth of God's word, that we would be equipped to be victorious. Right? So this is the kind of battle that uh, he's talking about, and I want to point out that it's not one through my own ability of like, I'm just going to fight sin in my life. I'm just going to, you know, through my own self-will and just like resistance and defiance, like I'm not going to do the thing that I don't want to do. No, that's, that's not how we succeed. We don't fight that fight in our own strength and in our own ability. We cannot succeed in, in overcoming sin by just kind of like choosing to stand our ground. That's not how it works. Okay, that's not how it works. In fact, in Galatians, it says uh, that if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh, that we have to be, what, empowered by God's Spirit, and it's not just a matter of our might. So even in terms of if you're overcoming any sort of addiction that you have, it's not going to be just a matter of like, okay, how much willpower can I muster that I could stand my ground? No, no, no. Am I going to be empowered by God's Spirit? Am I going to, instead of just simply fighting this fight of the flesh, Will I begin to do the things that the Spirit leads me to do? Am I willing to walk in the Spirit so it's not just about not doing the bad thing, it's about doing the right thing, and that the Holy Spirit then empowers you to be victorious in those areas? Yet even if, even if there are moments in our lives where we have a weakness that's known to us or even on display for other people. It's not as though God is somehow defeated in those moments. It's not as though God is like, well, there you go. Uh, that's too bad. And, and one of the things that I like in the Bible is that, that all of the people in the Bible are, are presented in this incredibly honest light. Where there's, there's, It's not like the Bible is maybe like this book of heroes that you think of, maybe from your Sunday school experience. But even the heroes, the good guys in the Bible are full of, of just humanity and flaws, right? They, they have all these moments of, of failure and just they're messing up and they're struggling and they're stumbling through life. And, and yet God's grace is there where he right, has forgiveness for them. He works on their hearts, that he empowers them. And God uses broken, right, failing people like you and I to accomplish his will on this earth. And, and God's not upset in the fact that you and I are weak. And there's this interesting experience that, that Paul has where the Apostle Paul, he has this issue in his life, and, and we're not exactly sure what it is. He, he calls it a thorn in his flesh, this particular issue that was producing humility in him. And it says this in 2 Corinthians 12 as he recounts this experience to this church that he's writing to. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this that it should leave me. So I want to point out, it's not like his prayer life wasn't there. It's not like, well, Paul, you just got to pray up and you'll be able to overcome this issue in your life. That, you know, you can just kind of resist this with whatever, you know, whatever spiritual power that God's given you. No, no, no. Check out verse 9. But he, that is God, said to me, my grace 
is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And so God speaks to Paul and says, listen, this is actually a good thing that this is producing humility in you. I don't want you to just be the Christian superstar of this early church age that, yeah, you're going around planting churches, you're doing all of these awesome things, but it's not about Paul. It's not like we're still here preaching the gospel of Paul and saying, remember this guy, Paul, who did all of this great stuff a long time ago? No, no, no. It's about God. It's about what he accomplished, that Jesus is the hero of the Bible who rescues those of us who were slaves of sin. Right, That who we were bound in chains and and we're going to experience the wages of sin, which is death. That Jesus is the victorious hero. So it's not about Paul. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about are we going to yield our hearts to God's plan and be empowered by him to accomplish it. And even in this case, there's this moment where Paul, he's struggling. He has issues in his life. He wants these things away from his life. He thinks this would surely be the better thing. If I didn't have this thorn in my flesh, I could maybe do more or accomplish more. But no, no, God says, hey, my grace is sufficient for you. And this is what Paul says. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. And so godly strength is not in a show of our own power and ability, but it's in a demonstration that God is the source. God is the one who is able when we are not. Right? That it's not in our own boasting or our own talents or whatever ministry that God gives you. It's not about that. It's about are we willing to give God glory and and just enjoy the process that just we'll we'll just be thrilled with the plan that he has for our lives and just be in love with him as we pursue him in accomplishing this plan. And so so that's what we end up seeing here is that God uses weak people to accomplish great things. And in 1 Corinthians uh, 1, Paul says much the same thing. He says for the for the foolishness of God is wiser than men. All right, that's almost like an oxymoron there, by the way, because uh, God is not foolish. But he's, he's making a point by contrast, and he says, and the weakness of God stronger than men. And then in verse 27, he says, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world even things that are not to bring nothing, things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And so that's what we see, is that God intentionally chooses weak people so that it's obvious that God is the one at work in their lives. And in in one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Gideon. It's found in the book of Judges. I'll let you find it on your own time. And Gideon is this guy who's hiding from this enemy army, this oppressive army that's like, you know, being at war against the people of Israel and have kind of overcome their territory. And he's hiding in a wine press, I I don't know, some sort of large barrel. And he's like trying to like uh, process wheat so he can make bread. And he's hiding. And God speaks to Gideon in this moment. And he says, mighty warrior. And Gideon's just kind of like, no, I I think you got the wrong number. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, I don't know who you're calling, but, but God, you're talking to the wrong person. Because I'm the youngest in my family, which is the, the smallest family in the smallest tribe of all of Israel. 
He's like, you've got the wrong guy. Like, in fact, anyone else in Israel would be a, a better mighty warrior than I would. And yet God chooses the weak intentionally to display his power in the way that he delivers his people from that oppression. Where Gideon then ends up leading like an army of 300 guys to take up an army of, I think it's 30,000, I don't remember. You go read it yourself. See, now I've left enough misinformation or confusion there that you'll have to go investigate and be like, I'm going to prove Brian wrong. Mission accomplished. I did it. So here we go. Uh, so, so God uses weak and broken people to display his work in their lives. And so that's even some things that like in, in ministry here and in the way that we run our church, it's not about like who can we put up here that's the most talented, who can show off the most, who can boast the most. And that's what even like in my own life, like I try to intentionally knock myself off of any pedestal in people's hearts because it's like, no, 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 it's not, it's not about that. And in fact, let's see, I didn't know I was going here, but I grew up in a church where like I ended up becoming kind of like I'm trying not to say this in boasting. I'm not proud of this. But, like, I became, like, the poster child of the church where they're like, man, that Brian, like, look at him. That's, like, the kid that we invested in. That's the Jesus kid. Hooray. Right? And I ended up sharing this testimony to the entire church about how I had struggled with pornography. And, like, people were just like, what? Brian? Brian? Right? Like, and, and just, like, kind of intentionally, like, no, it's not about us. It's not our own strength or our own ability. Right? But God demonstrates his grace in us. He demonstrates his strength even in our weaknesses. And in a moment of being able to show true transparency, right, we're able to communicate hope to other people. That's what even Paul did. Paul's like, hey, listen, I am the chief of sinners. And so when we see Paul, someone who is hunting down Christians and killing them, become a follower of Jesus and proclaim the gospel and plant churches, it's like, well, like, I just think I saw Paul walk into church. Like, I guess if, if God's willing to use him, he's willing to use me. Like, if God could forgive that guy, God can forgive me. And so that's one of the things that we boast about is like, hey, look at what God is able to forgive. Look what God is able to do, even in our own weakness. And so that's one of the things that we see is that at times, God doesn't just give you, uh, say, strength to like overcome victoriously and to defeat the enemy army or to do all these cool things like David slaying Goliath or whatever. Sometimes God gives us that strength and that's what we like to hear about. We like to hear those moments. But in Paul's case, he has this moment where the strength that he has is not strength given for the sake of like some great victory on display, but it's an enduring strength. It's a strength to continue walking even when life is hard. And that's what we see in Paul's life. So, so those aren't like, we'd rather pray and just be like, no, 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 God, just give me the victory. That's, what, that's the one I want. I don't want like the enduring strength so that I can go through enduring in this tough job or going through this difficult disease or maybe a season of marriage or whatever you're going through. We don't want the enduring strength. We want the victorious strength, right? But at times, God gives you that, all right? And it's, you just endure and it is for the better and you accomplish good even in those seasons. That that's a good thing that God is doing in your life. But there are promises in the Bible. In Isaiah 40, this is like a classic passage. I don't know, you've probably seen it on a refrigerator magnet or something. But here it says this, uh, Isaiah 40, verse 28, have you not known, have you not heard the Lord is everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. Pause right there. Um, so God, it's, it's bringing up the fact that God created everything. And then you might remember, like, wait a minute, in the creation story, didn't God rest? 
on the seventh day? Didn't God create in six days and then like take a rest? But this is like reminding you of creation, but saying, no, 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 God does not grow weary. It's not like God was like, man, that was such a tough week at work. Like, I just need a break. Like, I'm just going to take a break. No, no, no. God rested because the work was done, not because he was tired. Okay? That God rested to model a Sabbath principle for us to use, that we would take a break from our work, right? Not that he needed a break, right? Like a rest in a song, if I knew things about music, just fill it in the gaps, right, for me, right? That sometimes you'll have notes playing and then there's a gap and it's not like there's this rest in the song because the notes were tired or the musician's like, I'm exhausted. Like, all right, let's just, here we go. All right. Like, no, no, no. Like the rest was there by purpose, by intent, okay? So it's not a, a bad thing. So first of all, God is strong. He doesn't grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. But check out this hope that he gives. Verse 29, he gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. So yet those strong-legged young warriors, those guys are going to get tired too someday, okay? And here he goes, verse 31, but they who wait for the Lord... Or other translations say, those who hope in the Lord, those who trust in the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So we see that God will equip you with the strength you need for the plan that he has for your life. That God is going to empower you in the times that you need it to accomplish what he's called you to do. That God is faithful in all seasons, that even when other people are going to be exhausted, that you will be able to continue and endure. And notice what matters to the Lord is like, it doesn't say God, you know, uses those who are already strong to accomplish what he wanted. He uses those who were faint, those who were frail and weak, that he's the one that equips them with strength. And it's those who put their hope in the Lord that he empowers to endure. That he gives you like a marathon endurance to accomplish the life that he's called you to live. And one of the verses I thought of when I I was looking at this in terms of of weariness, it says in Galatians 6, I don't have this on the screen, uh, let us not grow weary in doing good. Okay, let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we shall reap if we do not give up. All right, and what it's talking about is, is reaping, okay, like a harvest, Okay, And earlier on in that passage, it's talking about sowing seed, that we can either make decisions in this life that invest in our flesh, which leads to death, that's the harvest we get, or invest in things of the Spirit, which reap back life. And he says, listen, we don't grow weary in well-doing, that in doing the good works that God has called us to do, that right, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, that we talked about a few weeks ago, that God has called you to good works that he's prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so we just don't grow weary. We just, we're just going to keep walking. We're just going to do the things that God calls us to do. And then in verse 10 in that verse in uh, Galatians 6, it says, So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And so notice we don't do good when we have the energy. It's not, we, we don't just simply do good when we have the strength. We do good when we have the opportunity 
And that God then allows us, God empowers us with the strength we need to endure in those times. And so this is where, right, this can start sounding like, kind of like work, right? Where it's like, all right, here we go. Like, I guess I'm just going to do the good things that God calls me to do. I just got to kind of like, just man up and just like do this. Let's just get some grit going here. But that's not what it's about. That's not where strength comes from. That's not the sort of thing that God needs for you to succeed. It says this in, in Nehemiah 8.10. It's our eight, uh, verse nine and 10. There we go. It says, uh, so, so what happens in this story, the people of Israel just came back from exile. They're rebuilding the city of Jerusalem. They, they reestablished its walls so it could defend itself. And, and Ezra, the priest now like reads a passage of the Bible to all of the people. Okay. And then check this out for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. That's not the like response that I hope when I write my sermons, but that's what happened that day. It was like, oh man, like we're not even going to come close to being able to do the things that we're supposed to do. Like, yeah, I agree that that's the right thing to do, but I can't do that. Like we are so far from that, right? And the, and the entire peoples responded with grief. And then he, he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. So he's like, listen, we're going to go out and feast. This isn't a time for grief. Like we just heard the word of the law, right? The Bible, and this produces life in us. This is something to be excited about, not to be grieved about. And then he said this to them, right? For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so I think there's this interesting principle here where, where strength doesn't, like I said, come from just like, all right, I'm just going to do the right thing. Like, let's just do this. Like, I'm just going to keep just diligently doing the things that I need to do. That's not where that strength comes from. That will just be like a, a grieving exercise for you to go through. That's not the Christianity that we've been called to but the strength that we need comes from finding joy in the Lord. Okay, that it comes from having just relationship with God and falling in love with Him. All right, I mean, even the, the greatest commandment, right, that Jesus gave, that, quoting from the Old Testament, He said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and, and strength. Right, that, that we put strength and energy into that relationship we have with God and God gives us joy back in return and we just get to, to bask in God's love. We just get to enjoy his presence and that joy that he gives us is the very strength that we need to accomplish the things that we got to do. All right, so, so think about like uh, in, in marriage that, yeah, every marriage, I'm, also we're cool, I always, I always feel weird talking about marriage because then I'm like, well, he's only got this example to talk about. Like, is there an issue with Brian and Katie? No, 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 we're cool, okay? Uh, but right, marriage can be work at times, but I'm sure you've experienced that when marriage is a joy that the work isn't even work anymore, right? That when you can just enjoy that relationship, that it's not even work. And it's the same thing with God, that when we find our joy in him, that it's easy. Okay, so don't think of like the, the law or the commands or as this like heavy burden. It says in, in James that his, his, his commands are not burdensome. Okay, or, or Jesus said this, that right, if we abide in him or, or if we love him, then we will do what he commands us to do. It's just a matter of just fall in love with God. So wherever you are in your walk with God, whether you've found him or not yet, 
Just love God more. Just invest energy into that relationship and, and the rest just comes easy. Okay, that, that's how it works out. It's not like, okay, here we go. Like, here's my game plan. I'm going to set reminders on my calendar. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to pray this much. I'm gonna, no, 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 just, just fall in love with God. Just fall in love with God and he will give you strength as you find joy in him. And, and the Bible... <coughs> doesn't just talk about this strength coming from joy in the Lord, but strength being found in the Lord himself, that he is our strength. The, the first song we sang this morning was called The Song of Moses. It's actually an ancient song found probably in the book of Exodus. Yeah, it is. Uh, and I want to read this for you from Exodus 15. This is moments after the people of Israel had just passed through the Red Sea. In case you don't remember that story, right? They've just been liberated from slavery of like over 400 years and they're traveling and they're, they got away and then Pharaoh's heart becomes even more hard and he pursues them with, I think, 600 chariots and they're cornered against the Red Sea. And, and it's like, well, what, what do we do now? Like, this is a hopeless situation. Our strength and ability cannot solve this problem. And, and God tells Moses, and this is so cool, he tells Moses to stretch his hand and his staff over the sea. And I don't know about you, but I don't have the ability to, like, make water do cool things. I'm not, like, a waterbender from, never mind. But, uh, but, like, I can't do that. Moses couldn't do that. But God asks us to participate in his plan, and then God does, like, the cool stuff. He's like, don't worry, I'll make, like, the fireworks happen. We'll add it in, like, special effects later. It'll, it'll look great. Just, just do this. And it's like, okay, God, like, you're telling me to do this. And, like, and so God asks you to do things that don't make sense according to your own strength, but then he empowers you. He works through you and accomplishes it so that, like, Moses parts the Red Sea, the people of Israel travel through, and then the army of Pharaoh pursue them, and then Moses, this is interesting, had to actually like re-extend his hand and the staff over the sea and like just like collapses on that enemy army. Emony, yes, sure. Okay, and, and so, so the people of Israel, I just want you to understand this moment for them. They just spent, right, generations in slavery to these people. And this is the last time that generation ever sees their slave masters. Okay, so like this is a big moment for them. This is like really important, like, Wow. We don't have to worry about our slave masters hunting us down anymore, right? We have victory here, and, and the way that God did it was not in our own ability or in our own strength. And so Moses and the people sing this song, right? It says, then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song. That's almost exactly what I just said. To the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. And notice this, the Lord is my strength. So it's not even just joy in the Lord. It's not even just like us being strong or empowered by God, but God himself is our strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Later on in the song, he says, you have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. And so I think this is cool that God leads people by his love, and it's with his strength that, right, he shepherds us into relationship with himself, right? That God guides our, our very steps into relationship with him. That's what he was doing with his people then. That's what he continues to do with us now, okay? So that's what God is faithful to be 
to be strong in our times of need. He gives us the, the strength to be victorious or the strength to endure. But God is faithful and ever-present help in time of need. And if we limit God according to our own ability, right, Moses and the Israelites never would have crossed the Red Sea. And so God's plan for your life is going to be his asking you to do things that are beyond your ability. And it's supposed to be that frustrating. Like, God, but I can't do that. Exactly. Just, just start taking the steps. Just walk out the good works I planned for you, and I'll be there. Okay? That's, that's the way it's supposed to be. So it's not supposed to be like, oh, God, I got it all figured out. No. That's not the way he works. And David, uh, I'll just go here. I'm not even going to summarize this this much. Right, but here we go. Psalm 18. Okay? David said much the same thing as Moses He says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And then later on he says, For who is God but the Lord, and who is a rock except our God, the God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless? Okay, so, so God is this awesome God. He is, he is someone whom you can rely on. He is faithful, right? I just like the analogy of God is this rock. Like, this is sure footing. I can be confident in my trust of God and, and Joshua Cousy's ability to build a stage, apparently. So, so right, we can trust in, in God, and he is faithful, okay? He is faithful, and not only does he equip us with strength, he's not just interested in making us a bunch of, like, hulks to go out and just, like, wreak havoc on the earth, but he wants to change our hearts in the process, okay? That he wants to make our way blameless. So, so even in, right, if I'll connect it back to the Grinch, Notice that the Grinch didn't get the strength of 10 Grinches plus 2 until his heart changed. All right, and that's the same thing that God wants to do with all of us. He wants to make us walk in integrity, that we do not use our ability and our strength as a means to right, oppress others, as a means to get our own way and to throw our weight around, but we would use our strength to serve others. Let's see one verse I want to put on the screen, Ephesians 6. Verse 10, this is what Paul says. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might or in the strength of his might. So as the worship team comes back up, I want to encourage you that God will give you the strength to accomplish what he's called you to do. All right, you might not have the same talents or abilities as other people, but that's not important because God didn't call you to lead their life. God's called you to live yours. And it will be beyond what you are able to do. And strength that he has given us, whether in our human strength, the frailty that we have in this life that is but a vapor, right, is meant to be used to serve others. Is meant to be used to, to live as unto the Lord, whether we're working hard as unto the Lord or we're resting as unto the Lord. Whatever we do, we do as unto the Lord. Okay, so it's not about my using my strength and ability to build my kingdom, but to, to live a life that brings glory to God in the joy of all people. I like this verse. Last one. Here we go. Romans 15. This is from the Message Bible, so it's kind of a concept-for-concept uh, concept translation instead of a word-for-word. Word. It says this, Those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter and not just do what is most convenient for us. Strength is for service, 
not status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? That's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles, but waded right in and helped out. I took on the troubles of the troubled, is the way the scripture puts it. Even if it is written in scripture long ago, you can be sure it's written for us. So whether you have physical strength on this earth right now as a, as a young man or whatever, right, or God-given strength to accomplish what he's called you to do, use it to serve others, not just to establish your own status. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, that you have shown yourself strong in our lives, that, Lord, you turn our hearts of stone into malleable clay, that, Lord, you can capture our attention, you can capture our hearts, that, Lord, you have led us out of bondage in sin, that you've delivered us, that you came to serve, even though you are mighty, even though you are omnipotent, you became a human as one of us and lived a life not to be served, but to serve. And I thank you, Lord, that you used even the body you were given to offer as a sacrifice for our sins, to pay the penalty that we had owed. And so, Lord, we just yield our hearts to you, God. I thank you that there are, are those present who have all sorts of plans that you have laid out for their lives, and that they are good plans, that, Lord, you, you purpose for them good works for them to walk in. And so, Lord, I pray that as a church family, we would be about the business of equipping one another and that we would rely on the strength that you give to accomplish the plan that you have given. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.